There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. I am your host, Eduardo, and this here is a show where we go back and we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie. And today, we're talking all about The Incredible Hulk, and I have two fantastic co-hosts with me to talk all about this movie with. First off, all the way from the Peach Cave where he rides on his peach mobile and has his peach cycle. It is Peaches. Peaches, what's up, man? I'm confused about the difference between the peach mobile and the peach cycle. Are they uh, like a combined unit or are they separate vehicles? How do I That's ride? Up to you. It depends on if Christopher Nolan's directing or not. Correct. It could be one where it's the peach mobile that transforms into the peach cycle after enough damage has occurred. Oh, wow. So that's like... The peach cycle is my final form. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even know I had this technology. This is amazing. And that beautiful heart voice you heard in the background is our very own sound lord, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, I uh, just sitting here being beautiful, I guess. <laughs> oh, look at you. Yeah. yeah, but not in the peach cave. <laughs> no, not I wish. <laughs> I wish. I'm just in my sound palace. Oh. Well, so damn it. <laughs> You get a palace, I get a cave. <laughs> I so made a this real cool cycle cave. You've in got a, like a cave. giant penny <laughs> with a box of scraps. <laughs> uh, like I said, this is assembly required. It's an MCU retrospective. We're talking all about the MCU, and today we're talking about the Hulk. First off, I want to thank everybody who's listening and everybody who has listened so far. Um, we're going to be pumping these shows out a lot more regularly now. Now that uh. We've got a good rhythm going. We're going to be recording a few episodes in advance so we don't break in, uh, break in our content. Um, so you'll be hearing a lot more week by week. Um, so thank you once again for listening. So we're going to talk about the Hulk. But first we're going to talk about what the Hulk character is. Who even is the Hulk? Dr. Bruce Banner. Hulk was introduced in 1962 in Tales to Astonish by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Before Spider-Man. Before Iron Man, there was the Hulk. It's very one of the... Uh, one of the OGs of Marvel, you could say. Original um, green guys. Original green guys. Uh, a lot of the stories are very similar. Dr. Bruce Banner gets exposed to gamma radiation and then becomes the Incredible Hulk, this uncontrollable figure of destruction, but also a hero because reasons. Um, <laughs> Hulk, you know, it's interesting because I didn't really know too much about the Hulk before the... Um, before the movies and before everything. I think I remember watching him in a few cartoons. Do you remember that show that had all of the Marvel heroes, but they were all tiny? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. They were all like small versions of Marvel characters. Now I have to look it up. Hold like on. They, they, they were a superhero adult? squad? The superhero squad. Yes. That's, uh, that's not that old of a show. Is it not? No. I remember it being so old. I, but I remember the Hulk being in there recent, being. But, uh, I remember the Hulk be being wrong. in there, uh, and he was hilarious. Oh um, yeah, that was that. Okay, so I just quickly looked that up, and the first yeah, time yeah, I yeah. heard of that was two thousand and nine. Okay, 
So that's not that that far off from this timeline. No, and it's also really weird looking. <laughs> Is it, isn't it super weird? They're all it's tiny. Actually, it's actually pretty funny. It's like, um, think like Teen Titans Go before that show came out. Like similar humor that way. A lot of like really weird zany stuff. It mm. didn't take itself seriously at all. Yeah, they look like bobbleheads. Yeah. I want to see it was like based it on like a toy line. What so, a weird I... segue we've already made. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I didn't. I didn't understand it. Um, for those of that don't know, there was a Hulk movie before this one. It was just called Hulk, and it was a super weird movie. We're not going to be talking about that movie on this show. But for those that haven't watched it, it's a weird movie. There are Hulk dogs in it, and honestly, it's just not a good time. <laughs> Um, um, I haven't seen it, but you're going to have to explain to me how a movie with Hulk dogs isn't a good time, because that sounds like a great time. Um, you know, I wish it was a great time, but it wasn't. Oh. And I do not have fond memories, which is interesting because when we segue into Incredible Hulk, I have lots of fond memories of this movie, which um, it's going to be really interesting because it fe- feels like last episode that we did for Iron Man. We agreed on a lot of points, except, you know, towards the end, we, but we tended to agree on a lot of different things. I think there will be lots of disagreement for this episode, and I'm really excited to, to get into it. I'm really excited that the camera placement, you guys can see the camera right now. It Peaches is on one side, Chris is in the middle, and I'm all the way to the right. And that's kind of how it's going to be. Oh, as we move into the uh, into the show, and you'll see what I mean, um, but Chris will definitely be the middle ground between myself and Peaches. I, yeah, and what he's saying is I'm lawful good, and Eduardo is chaotic evil, and, and Chris I'm is true, true neutral. neutral. Yeah. <laughs> Tell um, my wife hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sneaky Futurama quote in there. Yeah. Now. You guys, what did you guys know about the Hulk before you saw the movie? Did you guys were you guys aware of the character? Did you know anything about it? Did you care about the Hulk? You're gonna find that a lot of my early um, impressions of the Marvel characters, as well as most superhero characters, is that I thought they were stupid. So I'm sorry that I'm gonna say that ten times, and I'm sorry that I felt that way for such a long time. Um, but Hulk to me was probably before I learned more about him in video games, and then because of the way that they portrayed him in the MCU. I just thought that he was like a jockey meathead and he annoyed the hell out of me. Like, like caveman intelligence, very strong. Wow. He's a big green guy that can throw cars. Cool. I don't, I don't care. And so I never was really interested in his character um, until the way he developed in Avengers specifically. Um, There's a lot of stuff in Avengers that like immediately, had me doing a 180 with my thoughts on the Hulk. But prior to that moment, I just wasn't impressed with his character. And I, I probably would have been had I looked into it a little more. But surface level, I, you know, I didn't really care much for him. Yeah. Um, Chris, what about you? Well, I was kind of I was familiar with the Hulk because unlike the rest of the Avengers, the uh, the starting lineup of the MCU Avengers, Hulk actually, with the exception of maybe Captain America, uh, Hulk actually had a pretty significant pop culture presence. Uh, everyone knew about you won't like me when I'm angry. Everyone knew about Hulk smash. And that was partially because of the, the popular TV show uh, that ran in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties with uh, Bill Bixby as uh, David banner as he was called on the show. And uh, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. Uh, that was a pretty popular show and that, 
So as a result, that really kind of had a pop culture thing. I watched a lot of cartoons when I was a kid, and all the cartoons would end up doing a Hulk parody at some point. You know, so. so. Oh, right, like in Dexter's Lab. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, the Incragable Crunk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, best like, one. Yeah, there is always someone gets angry and somehow gets covered in green paint and sure. goes on a rampage. And, oh, you know, it's a Hulk reference. So so I knew Hulk because of that. And uh, and also the roller coaster at Universal. Uh, at Islands of Adventure. Fair. Uh, you know, so I wasn't, I hadn't read Hulk comics. I had never really watched like anything that was specifically Hulk. Uh, but I knew him, you know, it was like, oh yeah, I know that character. I, I know that story. <laughs> yeah, I a lot of my, We're um, like this. We're tight. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my Hulk knowledge was very superfluous. I had a buddy of mine who actually listens to all these shows. So shout out to Brian, but who was a buddy of mine. And we, we, uh, we went through a lot of school together and he would always be like, the Hulk's the best hero. He can just beat anyone because he just gets more mad and he just gets more strong and he never dies and i thought it was the most annoying thing in the world because <laughs> you can't have like a conversation about that you're just like oh well hulk wins because he's the hulk and i was really soured on the hulk at first and then i watched this movie and uh, if you can't already tell i really like this movie so let's get as <laughs> it maybe paints a picture as to what these other guys think of the movie um but let's get into it i want to talk about the movie but i want to let's 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 paint the picture let's paint the scene of what the incredible hulk is so that guy from Fight Club shows up in Brazil and he's got a heart monitor on his arm and he's trying not to get upset. And it's interesting because I think it was interesting that they painted it that way because it doesn't seem like it was necessarily tied to anger, but it was tied to his heart rate. Whereas traditionally the Hulk is tied specifically to anger, right? I mean, um, you can you can kind of correlate the two in a way. If, if he needed a way to like i don't want to use the word monitor and then say heart monitor but if he needed a way to keep track of something that he thought could be triggering this event that he doesn't really know sure that much about i think that was probably a smart move to use a heart monitor but it definitely is kind of weird when you when you say it that way like right you you think you know when something's making you angry or stressed out you know that's why i think it's not necessarily anger because there's a scene in the movie where he is definitely not angry, but he needs to stop what he's doing so that his heart monitor stops going off. That scene's weird, and I don't like it. <laughs> where, where, <it's>, <laughs> this is a family ho- household. and uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> A family podcast. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that, there's a scene. Not for, a, okay. not a make there's a family a, podcast. There's a scene in the movie where... Um, Bruce Banner and I don't know Liv Tyler's character's name Betty Betty Ross Betty Betty Ross right because General Ross the daughter uh, Betty of Ross are like they're like about to get busy and he like has to stop it because his heart rate is all over the place and it's all it's a weird thing but either way uh, he's in he's in Brazil you get this nice I think um, there could have been ways to make that happen without the heart rate being that high I'm just saying uh, there could have been. <laughs> something something could have happened i have limited knowledge in this field (laughs) there um so there he's in brazil and there's a nice little sequence at the beginning that sort of ties you into his backstory very quickly and then you get he's in brazil he is uh definitely it seems like he's hiding away from the u.s government and then the u.s government ends up finding him because he's reaching out to this guy named mr blue who is this guy that he does this weird server correspondence that i've never seen in my entire life that he can for some reason access from any computer on the planet um and they all type so he, very quickly <laughs> did they you notice that very quickly oh they're good um 
and he, he's messaging with this guy. The U.S. government finds him. He ends up back in the United States after begging in the streets of Mexico for a while. And somehow he begs all the way uh, back to Washington. They're in D.C., right? That's where the movie's... Uh, I think that's where it starts out. Yeah, or... Oh, gosh. I don't want to seem unintelligent on the topic that we're hosting a podcast about, but I do not know. <laughs> yeah, all. I have I have no idea what city they're remember. in. I don't, think, I don't think we see too many like real landmarks. Um, and I don't think they, they... They probably flash it on the screen at one point, but I don't necessarily remember. Um, Everyone's frantically looking yeah, at it. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Uh, long story short, they get some of his blood. They make an abomination. Hulk fights the abomination. Hulk wins. That's essentially the whole movie. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns throughout, but from start to finish, he's in Brazil. He's in the United States. He becomes the Hulk. He kicks the crap out of abomination. Boom. We got ourselves a Hulk movie. Um, according now, according to the uh, um, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki, Culver University... Uh, is situated in Willowdale, Virginia. So probably close to DC. Close to yeah. DC. Okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna start this off with a bang. Peaches, you and me. It's very clear you didn't love this movie. Um oh, yeah. you you watched it for the first time, right? You hadn't seen the movie before, and you watch it and you watch it after you watched all of the MCU. I thought you hadn't watched it before, correct? No, no, no. I've seen it before. I, I watched it. Um, the first time I ever watched it was before. It was either right before or right after Avengers. I don't remember. Um, but it was in like. <clears throat> it had to be some at some point in 2012 that I watched it for the first time. So the, the, the rewatching that I did for this episode of the podcast was my second time watching it. So, OK. So you'd seen it before. So we, we have about the same interaction. I saw the movie when it came out, and then I saw it once again for this podcast, and I haven't really seen the movie in between. Sure, sure. Um, now, it's clear you don't like this movie. It's clear that I do like this movie. And as we're going to go through some of our talking points here, you're going to find that we're going to have essentially polar opposite takes on a lot of the same things. Now, the first one I want to talk about is Bruce Banner, right? So I've talked on the show before about how I think – I enjoyed Edward Norton's performance as Bruce Banner, and I wanted to see where that went. And I, it took me a long time to sort of warm up to Mark Ruffalo, and I thought Edward Norton played a better Bruce Banner. Um, and here, you seem to disagree. And I guess I, I don't necessarily disagree with some of it, but I disagree with him being less of a scientist. I just think he does less of the the science that you see in the Avengers. He's not necessarily dealing with technology. He's dealing with gamma radiation and things like that. And to be fair in the movie, he doesn't have a lot of the tools that he would in a full size laboratory that he gets in like the Avengers. So you, are you talking about my first point here? Yes. Point number one. Yeah. Parkour banner. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just don't think that he, you know, he's Bruce Banner. He's, he's not really, I wouldn't say Bruce Banner himself in the universe isn't like fit or anything, but as scientist Bruce Banner, he's not, you know, the bulky meathead fighter. He's not supposed to be ultra athletic. He's supposed to be like a nerdy scientist guy. And I feel like there's almost not that he can't be athletic and that there needs to be a lot of scenes of him, like 
doing science stuff. Like we don't, if I wanted to watch people doing science stuff, I just watch Bill Nye, but it's just seems like he's doing a, a lot more, uh, typical action movie things in the movie than he is doing nerdy science things. Like, yeah, he types really fast and he sometimes talks about knowledge that he has on gamma radiation, but overall he doesn't really do anything that sciencey. I mean, when the SWAT team comes to Brazil or Mexico or wherever he's staying, he, the reason I said that he spends most of the movie parkouring is because he outran like an entire SWAT team through the city that he was in. Like Bruce Banner on his own shouldn't be able to outrun and outmaneuver a SWAT team. So it just felt really weird that he was portrayed in that setting as just ultra athletic. I, I think it was an, it was a cool chase, but when I'm thinking about the character, Bruce Banner, it just doesn't feel I would like say that this isn't Bruce Banner. That's been working in the lab. This is Bruce Banner. That's been on the run for years and years. So he's probably honed that escape uh instinct yeah but like better than a than a team of swat members that's that's that's, that's, (laughs) see that's where i find the difference there is i don't think he necessarily outran them i think he outsmarted them there are a lot of parts in that outrun sequence where he's like doing crafty maneuvers and things like that using his intelligence rather than just booking it in a straight line and to be fair he doesn't technically outrun them they find him if that he just turns into the hulk I'm really scared for any SWAT team that I ever have to rely on if they're all also bulky meatheads that don't know how to do tactical maneuvering. (laughs) Because they should be smart about chasing somebody too. They should be good at pursuit. That's part of their job. So the fact that this one dude who shouldn't be that crafty, well, maybe not crafty, but he shouldn't be that agile outran them. It just doesn't make sense to me. So that's the first thing. The first thought I had when rewatching this was I was like, why? Why is he already a jock? He's not supposed to be a jock until he's green. And he's a jock when he's not green. I don't know. I think we're just going to disagree because <laughs> I felt the exact opposite. I thought it was I thought it made sense for him to be able to outrun. I, th- I thought it made sense in the in the story that they painted there with with him being on the run for so many years and being able to know that city. Right. Like he knew the city. They didn't. He knew where he was. They didn't. He He didn't just like run them through a maze. He, he ran them through a city filled with people that he could maneuver because he'd been living there for so long. I just, I I just don't think I agree. I think the, I think the way they painted the Hulk, at least to me made sense. And I'm curious to see Chris, what you think, since I definitely have rose colored glasses for this and peaches definitely has poop colored glasses for this. (laughs) What? I I was trying to use the same analogy and it didn't, I often equate roses to poop too. Well, no, because they're the opposite. Hey, Andre right? three thousand. Roses really smell like ooh ooh ooh. <laughs> yeah. Chris, take it away, man. Okay, where should I take it? I don't know. <laughs> so, how how do I feel about Bruce Banner? Well, do you think Bruce Banner was portrayed correctly in this movie? Do you think he his part coring was too much? Do you think? Like I said, I, I thought it made sense because at this point we know he's been on the on the lamb for a while, and uh, I I tend to I think I'm a little more on the Eduardo camp on this one, uh, as far as that specific example of him running away from the SWAT team. So let me add this in too, though, because we now have the complete hindsight of all of Phase Three to look at the way that the character further was portrayed. And can you see Mark Ruffalo doing any of the things that Bruce Banner did athletically? No. 
No, and he's you'll the find... same guy. Well, this no, is also find... Bruce Banner that hasn't Anna. been running away for for a while now. Now he's he got a little. He got a cushy job with Stark, and uh... there you go. Uh, you know, I just nope. I think I feel the same way as you do because I think that the Hulk that is in this movie is feels like it's not the same Hulk that is in the MCU. I, they feel like different oh, characters. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think I was watching the movie and I th- was thinking to myself, wow, I really like Edward Norton's portrayal in this, but he wouldn't fit in the MCU at all. No. He wouldn't make any sense. I like this movie as it's standalone itself. I like Edward Norton's portrayal of this Bruce Banner story, but I don't think he would fit in the MCU with the way that they use the Hulk character. And if you look at why Edward Norton didn't do the movies, that might point to, you know, the direction that they were going with the Hulk. Because one of the reasons he didn't do the movie, the the rest of the MCU, is because he didn't like the direction they were taking the character into this sort of side character superfluous, not superfluous, but the Hulk is definitely like a comic relief style plot device side character rather than a main attraction, right? Yeah. You can oh, yeah, sort of he, agree with that in the MCU. And he's never yeah. going to get his own movie again because of rights, because Universal right. still has technically the rights to standalone Hulk movies. So, yeah. I wonder so when they, that runs out. That's probably one of those in perpetuity things. Like, <laughs> I don't know. They're all weird. What Mark idiot Ruffalo won't want to do it. Yeah, it's called, do it it's called Marvel Almost Went Bankrupt in the 90s. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so they'd there sign anything. What that's an idiot weird. to name their kid that. Did you <laughs> Did you know that uh, Marvel almost sold their rights to their entire universe over to Sony in the 90s? And Sony said, no, we only want Spider-Man. <laughs> they said, oh wow, nothing will ever come of any of these other ones. Wow. I want Spider-Man. <laughs> I bet Sony feels like they messed up. Yeah. Um, now... There are a lot of really fun references in this movie. Chris, you touched on this in on the notes that I see here. Yeah. Um, Lou Ferrigno's in this movie. He's in. Uh, he's the security guard in there. Uh, Stan Lee makes a really great cameo, and I am really sad we never got to see Stan Lee as the Hulk. Um, oh yeah. Because that yeah. would have been a fun. It would have been a fun watch. There's all these types of things. What what other references caught yeah. your eye, Chris? So so yeah, I, I love the stupid trivia. So this is where I'm going with it. So I mentioned the uh, the original Hulk TV show, which starred Bill Bixby, uh, and Bill Bixby actually shows up on the TV uh, when uh, at the very beginning when uh, he's uh, what you call it? when when Bruce is flipping through the TV channels. Um, one of the things that is on TV is the courtship of Eddie's father. I'm pretty sure this is the one that, because uh, he was in a few TV shows, but I think the, uh, he passes by the courtship of Eddie's father, which starred Bill Bixby. Uh, so you get a brief moment of Bill Bixby being on the TV because he couldn't cameo because he died in 1993. Uh, Lou Ferrigno. What's that? I'm sorry. I was gonna say I'm glad. I'm glad when I was rewatching this, my roommate was watching with me because he pointed that out to me. Oh, really? I had no. I had no idea who that was, yeah. and I, I, I figured, you know, why would they not put something kind of Easter eggy on the TV? Yeah. Uh, so when he pointed that out, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Also on the TV, which made me very happy, and this has nothing to do with the Hulk, is they show my all-time favorite Sesame Street sketch, which is Grover doing around, over, under, and through, <laughs> but oh in gosh. Portuguese. It is when I was a kid. That was my all time favorite. I had it on a, on a cassette or on a, on a videotape and I used to watch it all the time. It was like my favorite. Also um, in Portuguese. 
uh, no, I had it in English. I don't, oh. I don't speak Portuguese. Oh. I've had people try, but no. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So Lou Frigno, he has a cameo as the, uh, as, as the security guard. He also actually provided uh, some of the sounds for the voice of the Hulk in this, in this movie. Oh, no way. Yeah. Hey, really? Yeah. So, uh, so like when he says Hulk smash, that's him. And that's cool. grunting and growling. Um, the, uh, the lonely man theme, that was the end credits theme from the TV show. And it's a sad piano music. Dun, 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 oh, the one that's dun, made dun, fun dun. of in family guy. Yeah. It's a, like, it's, yeah. you know, it's a fun pop culture reference. Um, but that actually plays, um, after the first time he turns into the Hulk and he's wandering through the town, uh, that, that music plays. Uh, it also actually plays a little bit in Thor Ragnarok, I found out recently, but it's a lot harder to spot in that one. Uh, oh, I can't hear Peaches anymore. Oh, neither can I. Yeah, I'm going to keep talking, though, while we figure that out. Um, but yeah, it plays uh, in Thor Ragnarok when Thor and uh, Hulk are sitting on the bed talking. You know, I muted myself and I thought it unmuted and it didn't. So uh-huh. sorry about that. We found peaches. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said while I was muted, but oh, it probably well. wasn't important. <laughs> I'm sorry. And my, la- <laughs> and my last one that I want to point out, uh, Stanley, not Stan Lee, but Stanley, the, uh, the guy who runs the pizza shop. He was the voice of Bruce Banner on the 1960s Hulk cartoon. No way. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Thinking- all these people in there. Yeah, right? That is so cool. Yeah. Which the uh, 1960s Hulk cartoon, if you've never seen it, you need to go look up the uh, the theme song to that because all the 60s Marvel cartoons had weird theme songs. Um, huh. Like we talked about, oh, well, obviously the most famous one is the Spider-Man theme. Everyone loves that hey, one. Hey, we can reference it. Like since we've referenced it, we can now play it, right? Like oh, you yeah. can soundboard it in. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I will like, play we can that. Say, It'll play right now. And then, you know, now it's done playing. Yep. (laughs) That's exactly how it could happen. Wow. But uh, (laughs) I really hope you just leave in the silence. (laughs) Perhaps I will. Um, Maybe, maybe that'll be a, a, maybe everyone should listen after the credits. I don't know. Hey, (laughs) that's a good, good time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, so that's my, uh, Oh, and one more thing. I don't know. We're probably not going to ch- get a chance to talk about this any other time. Uh, but I do want to point out that um, Ty Burrell plays a superhero in this movie who never got the chance to be a superhero. He's Doc Samson. I didn't realize that he was also a character in the universe other than just Betty's boyfriend. Yeah, no, he was. he's from the Hulk universe. He, uh, through, I looked it up on Wikipedia recently, uh, but through some weird... Co- uh, series of events he ends up becoming gamma powered as well so he gets like green hair and his strength comes from his hair and it's funny because his name is samson just like in the bible samson got his hair cut off and he wasn't strong anymore and yeah it's there oh my god so yeah so it was one of those things and there's another big one that i'll talk about later uh in the episode but uh oh my gosh he looks so weird i'm looking it up right now looking at doc samson if you, if you Google Samson MCU, the picture that comes up looks like it came straight out of like a skateboarding video game. Like he's got a shirt with a lightning bolt on it. His hair is like long and green. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he just looks like he should be riding a skateboard or a snowboard or something. Definitely yeah, yeah. the uh, kind of role you expect the dad from Modern Family to uh, 
uh, to portray. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. He could still come back. He could. You know, so, hey, so Ross came back. About, um, you talked about the, the, the movies, right? You talked about the, the cartoon series. You talked about the animated or the animated series, I should say. You talked about the Lou Ferrigno series. We've talked about the original Hulk movie. So you know what this movie didn't need? An origin story. We didn't really need to do a full-on origin story. And in my opinion, the movie does a really good job of just sort of giving you this little bit, this little digestible piece of, here's what happened, here's where we are, let's get into the movie throughout the opening sequence. And I sort of wish some of the other Marvel movies would take take that, especially in the early Marvel. Later Marvel does a good job of it because you already know a lot of the characters. But early Marvel, you get a lot of really drawn-out um, origin stories, um, like... Amazing Spider-Man two or Amazing Spider-Man should have done this because they did not also need an origin story. Mm-hmm. Don't let Robbie hear you say that. He needs to have the <laughs> the Ben Parker death scene in every single uh, everything, <laughs> every single spider, anything that exists. Sorry, Robbie, no yeah. shade. I agree with Let's you on this one, Batman. Oh, I agree with you on this one, Eduardo. I I think that they did a good job making time in the actual runtime of the movie to tell their own story and not spend however long they would have spent, you know, showing his origin. And I think it's, it's one of those things too. Um, if you're not paying attention to the opening credits though, you will miss it. And that's kind of a bummer, but you know, hopefully you're paying attention to the opening. It's your fault for not paying attention to the movie. (laughs) Right. Right. Like that's no, that's not my fault that you didn't do that. But it, you know, I think it's cool and it's, you know, it's, there's no, there's no dialogue during it. It's just, here's kind of a visual of what happened. And I don't think there needs to be dialogue. I think it does a really good job of just painting that most of that picture for you. And then, Hey, let's pick up where this left off. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think it's a nice touch. And I, I wish it was in a, I wish I was in more of the MCU movies. It doesn't necessarily need to be exactly like that, but like, I just want to get into the character. I wanted to get into seeing them, like, especially with somebody like the Hulk, which, we all know who the Hulk is. Like, eventually, there's going to be a few MCU movies. Like, I know nothing about the Eternals, so I need to know what's going mm-hmm. on there. But like, for somebody like the Hulk, I don't need to see the gamma radiation thing. Yeah. And like, and like, uh, it also intro- it did a good job of introducing some of the characters. You got to introduce to General Ross. You got introduced to Betty Ross. You got introduced as to why he left. Like, they put in, they kind of packed a lot in there and a lot of the motivation of the movie, so that when the movie started, you kind of knew where everything was. Um, yeah, and you, I also you, you, won't see, you won't see that kind of intro for like a Black Panther movie or like no. uh, Captain Marvel because to the outside world that is now finally getting into comic book stuff. They don't know those characters. They just don't know them, but everybody has at least heard of the Hulk. So it makes sense, you know, right. It wasn't until Spider-Man homecoming where people were like, you know what? How about we just don't do an origin story? We just do a movie because everybody knows. Yeah. You got like 10 seconds of dialogue of him explaining his powers. I got bit by a spider at the end, Uh, you know, right. Or you can do the, um, you know, my favorite one is Into the Spider-Verse. We're like, here, let's go over this one last time. And they do that for every, uh, yeah, for every... all of the Spider-Men. Yeah. They do that really well in that movie. Yeah, yeah. All, all the movies from now on should get that treatment. <laughs> I know, God. I could sit here and do an entire like three-hour podcast on Into the Spider-Verse because I love that movie so much. And in another um, universe, you probably are. Oh, that's a good point. Shit. <laughs> good point. Now, Chris, I want to talk about that other that other little little piece in there. So some of you might know him as Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, some of you might know him as Samuel Stearns. I know him as Mr. Pendansky from Holes. 
Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And that's honestly the only thing I was seeking anytime he was on screen on this movie. I kept being like, "Why is Mr. Pendanski on here?" I didn't realize it was he's him. the dad from uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, also. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now I'm imagining him talking to Ed Norton in his little laboratory with like sunscreen on his cheeks <laughs> and like a fisherman's hat. <laughs> Camera radiation builds character. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, now, apparently, Samuel Stearns is eventually turns into a comic book villain, and until I read these notes. I did not know oh, that. Yeah. So, Chris, please enlighten, enlighten us. So, Samuel Stearns, all right, so that's Mr. Blue that we alluded to earlier, the one who's uh, been secretly helping Bruce. Uh, he ends up going a little bit crazy with that, uh, st- uh, testing his blood, and through uh, uh, some shenanigans, uh, he gets some of that gamma irradiated blood, drops into a, uh, a cut on his forehead, and you see his forehead start to bubble and grow, and he gets this look in his eyes like all of a sudden he can see everything. He can see the universe. And uh, he actually, that is setting up a villain for a future Hulk movie that we will never get. Uh, the leader <laughs> who has a gamma irradiated brain and is super smart. Um, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, great actor, gives the weirdest performance in this movie. Um, he he has like just the strangest delivery. He is like, incredibly socially awkward and i think it works i think it's a, it's a memorable performance um he, he also the actor has has unfortunate luck because he keeps getting cast as villains in comic book movies who you think are probably going to be villain a little bit later on because he was in the recent fantastic four movie that nobody saw i didn't see it either uh, but he played um uh, harvey allen aka mole man AKA the villain from the very first uh, Fantastic Four comic book. Fantastic Four number one. Huh. Yeah. Um, I believe he actually ended up dying in the movie, in the Fantastic Four movie, because they did everything good, wrong. Good. Um, <laughs> like, you put Mole Man in your movie, but you don't let him actually become Mole Man? Why? Um, but yeah, so, so once again, he gets turned into a supervillain in this movie who doesn't ever get to supervillain. Uh, we just sort of leave like, okay, I guess he's got a bubbly head now, and that's that's the last we see of him. Uh, what if this is completely off topic, but what if they continue to make fantastic four movies? It never becomes part of the MCU and we just keep waiting until they make one. And then we sign the human torch and they play the, the character of their life. Right. We, <laughs> we get Chris Evans and then all of a sudden he's captain America and it's the best role we've ever seen uh-huh. him in. We get Michael B. Jordan and then he's Killmonger and he like slays it. Uh-huh. Why don't we just keep doing yeah. that? Why don't we just keep using the human torch as, you know, like a Marvel The MCU character has become factor. like a, the human torch rehabilitation program. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I apologize. Too bad I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say about, okay. about that is just, you know, I just want to shout out his, his insane performance and, uh, and give some, give some credit to a character that never got to, reaches full potential. You know, Jeez. speaking of movies that I like that most people don't like, have you seen the, uh, have you guys seen Green Lantern? Unfortunately. Um, I, I actually have makes me think, it makes me think of Hector Hammond in that movie, um, who also is basically the exact same character that you're talking about 
that Samuel Stearns turns into, which is basically just a giant super guy with a big old head, and he's really smart, and he's got telekinetic powers. Oh, is he Sinestro, or is that someone else? No, Because Sinestro, Sinestro has a big head. Could... <laughs> no, not Sinestro. Oh, okay. It's a different... They sort oh, of... In, the, in that movie, they set it up so that Sinestro will be the next one. Oh, okay. Um, he At the end of the movie, and this is a spoiler for anybody who cares about the 2011 Green Lantern movie, but Gosh, please at the don't. end of the movie, he finds the yellow, or Sinestro finds the yellow ring. Oh, okay. So... You know, <gasps> isn't, uh, isn't, I know. isn't Taika Waititi in that movie? Yes. Oh. He plays... um. He plays, uh, is it, um, is it Krog? Killerog. Killerog. See, this is how, <laughs> this is how no. I know that we don't actually like the Hulk that much because we keep talking about things that aren't the Incredible Hulk in the Incredible Hulk episode. Let me just throw that point in yeah. there. We're trying to be off topic. It's like, please let us talk about anything else. Taika Waititi plays... plays Tom Kalamaku. Oh, they're really looking it up. Yeah. I'm watching him do it. Viewers. Oh, he plays like his like, friend. Okay, okay, that's who you're talking about. Yes. They're looking it up right now. Also, Mark Strong is Sinestro, and that movie is really good. Back to the Hulk. Yes, back to the uh, Hulk. Taika Waititi directed a movie that had the Hulk in it. Back to the Hulk. Boom. Brought it back. We did it. Um, so, do you care at all about Mr. Pandansky Peaches? I mean, I... <laughs> I thought that you guys hit the nail on the head with him. He definitely was awkward, but his character felt like it was an awkward character. It was a guy that, you know, Bruce had only spoken to over that weird messaging service. Um, You know, the Hulk is no different from other movies as far as um, computer screens looking nothing like a computer screen actually looks (laughs) like when you interface with one. Um, So every time you watch them type, you're right. It's like, oh, my gosh. They're really, they're like 300 words a minute typers. That's amazing. Um, And also it looks nothing like my operating system. And then when you meet him, he's still like kind of awkward and standoffish. So, I mean, I I think he played the role well, but kind of at the end when he starts turning into the leader and then, you know, years and years down the road, we never had another movie with him in it. Like you can tell that they really weren't sure what they were going to do with this movie. Yeah. You know, and that's one one piece of it was they it seemed like they just threw a bunch of stuff in that were loose ends intentionally so that if they wanted to pick up another one, if they you know, if it was received well, they could go whatever route they wanted to go with it. Yeah. The problem with that is that you can't make a movie expecting the next movie. You got to make that movie. Right. You got to make your movie first. And right. that's that's an issue. This isn't a. Uh, DC Extended Universe podcast, but if it were, that's all I'd be talking about, pretty much. Sure, sure. Uh, and that's the the beauty of the end credit scene, right? So you can create your movie, you can make your movie from start to finish, and then after the credits, you can throw in a little snippet if you want to lay a foundation somewhere else. But you don't have to do it while you're in the movie. It doesn't have to be throughout the course of the movie, right? Right. And while this movie did have an end credit scene, it definitely felt like they were sowing a lot more, they were planting a lot more seeds throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Now peaches That's you didn't actually know that this movie was part of the mcu on purpose to begin with no. because to be fair when they first like had the idea for the mcu they were like all right let's all just make these bunch of movies and hopefully they fit together and then eventually by the time the first avengers came out they were like oh no now now we see what we're doing but at first they were just like some movies by different studios that hopefully will go together at the end 
I think for me, it was one of those like just weird rumor mill situations, because um, if you remember from the last episode or the episode before, I don't remember. Um, I didn't really know that they were forming this greater universe until Avengers was announced. And then everyone was like, oh, my gosh, all these movies, they fit together. They're setting this up. I didn't really realize that. Um, and so because I didn't even see Hulk until way after it came out, it just didn't feel like it really fit in with anything. But also the the whole rumor mill part was that I, I don't know who I heard it from, but I swear that somebody said that this movie was not intended to be a part of the MCU. And then they decided after the fact to make it canon. And that just kind of stuck in my head. So whoever said that to me or around me, congratulations, it worked. Because <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I mean, there's there's probably a world where they decided that while they were filming the movie... But Maybe. that end credit scene with Tony Stark was in the movie since the movie came out. So like right. they definitely knew it was going to be part of the MCU. I almost feel like that one, though, was another loose end that they intentionally left there. Because if you examine, I don't want to jump right to the end of the movie, but if you examine that scene and then you compare it to the end of Iron Man, Iron Man, he shows up in his apartment and Nick Fury's there and Nick Fury wants to start the team. The end of Hulk, uh, Iron Man shows up to Ross and tells Ross that he's forming a team. It kind of is contradictory, especially when you consider that in hindsight, we know that Tony didn't really want anything to do with forming a team. He wanted to be like a one man army situation and he didn't get on board with teamwork until, you know, he decided to fly through the center of a giant flying alien fish. Uh, and then, you know, catapult things into space. So it's kind of weird that they don't really mesh together, the two endings of those movies, you know? I I always think he does. The quote is, we're putting together a team. So you could say he was talking about himself and Nick Fury because he'd been convinced. I agree with that, but just the fact that he is so adamantly against it in later movies sure. and that he's the one that they decided to be the spokesperson for reaching out to Thunderbolt Ross in person. It just feels weird. I don't think you're wrong, yeah. but to be fair, that means the other movies feel weird because Hulk came out first. Well, now I'm going to get real into the weeds here. Have you seen the Marvel one shots? No. Okay. So no. the Marvel one shots, uh, they started doing these for like the DVD and Blu-ray releases of the movies. Uh, where they were little short three to five minute short films pretty much set in the MCU. And the first two that came out uh, starred Agent Coulson, my boy. And uh, one of them, (laughs) one of them is just a little side story uh, where he stops a robbery at a gas station while he's on his way to New Mexico. And it's fun. It's called a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. But the other one is called the consultant. And it starts off with uh, Jasper Sitwell and uh, Phil Coulson sitting at a diner uh, talking about everything that's been going on with the Hulk and with Abomination and everything. And what they did was they made this to fix the problem that you brought up, Peaches. Uh, oh. Because what what they end up revealing in this is that the Security Council did not want the Hulk on the Avengers. They wanted the Abomination. And uh, they all knew that that was a terrible idea. And the only way they could think of to make this not happen 
was to that because uh, they wanted Thunderbolt Ross to supply the abomination to them. And the only way to make that not happen was to annoy him so much that he would that he would put his foot down and say, no, you can't have the abomination. So they sent in the consultant, which is what Tony Stark <laughs> becomes at the end of Iron Man 2. That, that he knows you know, that he'll, he'll be sort of consultant to the Avengers project, the Avengers initiative. Uh, what a fix. So then they send, they send in, they actually show a little bit of that scene and they go, it worked. And, and uh, also Tony ended up buying the bar and tearing it down. <laughs> so, so that is actually okay, how great. they explained away how that ending doesn't quite fit in. They made that little one. I'm glad they did that. I feel a lot better about it now. Yeah. I love retcons. Yeah, 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 exactly. It is like the first MCU <laughs> retcon. It really is. Huh. Now, right. Chris, it's interesting that you say this because you think the movie was a little afraid to be comic booky. Mm-hmm. I think my issue, and I think it's the one main issue I have with the movie, is that parts of it seem really afraid to be comic booky, but other parts feel like they're pulled straight out of a comic book. Thunderbolt Ross yeah. is literally just a walking comic book character. Oh, yeah. At the end of the movie, he's literally just sitting at a bar saying reload over and over again while they refill yeah. the shot. No one says that. No one does that. That's not like a thing of normal. Per- reload. No. Oh. No one does that. That's a comic book character. That's like that's something that's pulled straight out of a comic book. And I think that's one of the problems the movie has is that it, it's feels like it feels like it's being pulled in two different directions. Yeah. It definitely feels like they were trying to make like an action type movie that was more towards the time and a lot of the vein that Iron Man was, but they didn't know how to web the comic book influence into it. And that shows with some of the some of the performances of some of the characters. Maybe Tim Blake Nelson can get lumped in to the same grouping as Thunderbolt Ross because yeah. it definitely felt like some of the characters were a little bit more on the comic booky side and the other characters are more on the side of the, you know, the times, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Cause like Liv Tyler gives a very normal performance. I'm not, uh, it's a good performance, but it's like, she's a normal person in it really. Uh, but then you've got, you know, Thunderbolt Ross, Tim Roth as a, as uh, Blonsky, who is a really just kind of over the top, you know, bloodthirsty villain as well. We've barely even touched on him. Yeah, so that's because honestly, I feel like he's kind of forgettable in the movie. Yeah, he 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 he's very much in the tradition of um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, bad guy theory of what if the good guy but bad. Right. I also feel like Ross is the villain of the movie, and yeah. he's just the instrument that Ross wields. Oh, yeah. Ross yeah. is the the reason that most of the things in the movie happen. Right. I, I think that he just happened to run into this guy that was, like, power-hungry, and he was an idiot and didn't stop it ever. Yeah. Right. Now, I want to talk about the Hulk. First off... The the way the Hulk looks in this movie versus how he looks in the MCU, the Hulk is like shredded in this movie. Like the the way his muscles look, the way the character looks is such a different take than we get in sort of the MCU, right? This is supposed to be a much leaner, more more defined Hulk, whereas the one in the MCU is a lot more it's I think it's a lot bigger and a lot more broad, but doesn't have a lot of definition. Yeah. Um 
and so it's really interesting. I, I, there's not a lot to talk about there. Just the Hulk looks super. You know what I think is interesting actually is that the Hulk in later movies looks like Mark Ruffalo. This Hulk does not look like Edward Norton. No, he does not. He looks like the Hulk from like a comic book. He doesn't look necessarily like yeah. Edward Norton. I don't know that they, and and maybe I'm just bad at understanding when technology was available, but I, I don't know if they had the means to necessarily make him look like Ed Norton as Without, much as they did. I th- maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't know how to do it without it looking weird. Maybe they yeah, tried yeah. and it looked super weird and they were like, you know what? Maybe we just make him look as natural as we can. Yeah. Because and so the Hulk, I think, <laughs> the Hulk also let's make him like shredded. Now, I mean, he's like veiny and like I'm looking at a picture of him now and he's just like, yeah, I mean, if you compare the Mark Ruffalo version to the Ed Norton version, like the Mark Ruffalo Hulk is like obviously really stacked. Like he's also very muscular, but like he even still has like chest hair and right, he has yeah. facial features, Mark Ruffalo. And then, you know, Edward Norton turns into, dude, this guy is showing up at bodybuilding competitions. Like he's walking around with his arms out here because he can't put them at his side and he's waxed his chest. He's got like he's a 12 pack. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, <laughs> He, he like somebody's taking a cloth and they're just stretching it as hard as they can. Like that's what <laughs> look like. Like it's totally weird. Yeah, he looks insane. But I want to talk about the Hulk in general because you and I, Peaches, have two different views on the Hulk in this movie. And it was really interesting because when I was reading the notes, I was I thought, wow, like I feel the exact opposite. So you thought that Hulk seemed to be very controllable by Bruce, and I thought the exact opposite, which is. To be fair, not to be fair, but to be clear, one of my main problems with the Hulk in the MCU is that he feels a lot more controlled and they've kind of gotten past the we can control the Hulk after the first Avengers. Whereas in this one, I thought they did a much better job of battling with controlling and not being able to control the Hulk. I don't know, man. It's uh, that's a tough that's a tough call, because if you look at any movie that the Hulk is in in the entire MCU, he is struggling with something related. Like in Avengers, you've learned that his secret is that he's always angry. And to me, that means he could transform at will if he wanted to, because he's always angry. And then in Ragnarok, there's the struggle at the end between, um, you know, do I want to, or the plot point of the movie is, do I want to stay Hulk or do, or do I want to go back to Banner? No, I want to stay Hulk. And then he struggles in uh, the next movie he's in with yeah, not being yeah. able to change. Is that Infinity War, right? Infinity War, yes. He just can't change into the Hulk. He's like, the Hulk's fighting him. He doesn't want to come out. No, I was hurt last time. Like, I, I, I can be hurt. I don't want to be hurt. I'm staying in here. And I think that in this movie, they make it such a plot point that he can't control it. And obviously, you know, the heart monitor helps support that point because when he gets to a certain heart rate, he transforms and whatever. But there's so many moments where he is the Hulk, where it seems like he has complete control over lots of different things, like his vocabulary, uh, like certain people that he's around. He just has no problem taking control. Like any time that he's around Betty, he it seems like he has 100 percent control when he sees her on the battlefield, he stops raging and punching things and goes and shields her. When 
They're hiding in the cave. He's completely docile other than the fact that he's afraid of the thunder and the rain, which is kind of funny. Um, but <clears throat> I, I feel like if he really didn't have control of his abilities as much as they are kind of advertising in the plot that he wouldn't have such a soft spot immediately for Betty. Like maybe he'd try to attack her or he wouldn't even recognize her because he, he can't maintain control. You know, it, it just seemed like it, it, it was more advertised than it was executed hmm. to me. I'm interested to see Chris's uh, point on this because I clearly completely disagree. Um, so I'm interested to see what Chris has to say. Well, looking at how Hulk is in the later movies, I think you have to go back to the, you know, one of the last shots of the movie, which is him in the cabin and he's controlling his heart rate and then his eyes turn green. And this is days since last incident uh, or days without incident. And it, scrolls back to zero. And that to me was him saying, all right, I can now control when I become the Hulk. And I think if you put it in context with Avengers, it's him discovering how to be always angry. And to be fair, I think Bruce Banner has a lot to be angry about. I think his eternal anger is justified. The the world has dealt him a very difficult hand. Um, I think that, and maybe we would have gotten it if we had gotten more Hulk movies, but there is an interesting duality between Hulk and Banner and that they are two different characters. And yes, there are aspects of Banner that come through in the Hulk. And sometimes there are aspects of the Hulk that come through in Banner. Um, but they are in opposition to each other for a lot, uh, for a lot of the time, you know, Hulk wants to be in control. Um, and if you look at it's, you know, they say that he's able to direct himself at the problem, which he does in uh, he does in in this movie at the end when he fights Abomination. Uh, he does it in Avengers. Uh, he does it for Age of Ultron. But when he loses that control in Age of Ultron because of Scarlet Witch, uh, that's when and Banner even says it later. He goes, everyone just saw the real Hulk uh, where there is no Banner. You see it again later in Ragnarok where Hulk has been Hulk for years now. And so, yeah, he's a smarter version of the Hulk, but it's still he's trying to keep Banner out. And then later on, Banner's trying to keep Hulk down. Then in Infinity War, you've got Banner actually wanting Hulk to come out and Hulk being like, no, no, no. And then you have the resolution of it in Endgame where they have found the balance uh, where Hulk is Banner and Banner is Hulk. And they are now Finkel is Einhorn. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Chris, you got any more of that gum? Okay, never I'm mind. Sorry. That's it's a, a it's an Ace Ventura. Movie that's, uh, sorry, that no, went over okay. my head. I apologize. Wow. You know, interestingly, I disagree with Peaches on one point specifically, and I think that's the it's the point of Betty as the sort of grounding force. I thought that was an actually really um, interesting take on the Hulk, and I, I think it's important for the Hulk to have that figure so much so that they gave the Hulk a love interest in the MCU and basically turned Betty and Black Widow into the, not into the same character, but they sort of moved his love interest over to Black Widow because the Hulk needs and Bruce Banner and the Hulk need a grounding presence. They need someone there to be the, the point, the reason for him not to want to be the Hulk all the time and not to want to destroy things, he needs to have something he cares about. And I think it makes sense for the Hulk 
to also care about Betty and to want to see her and for, for that to be his like his his Zen, his peace, his grounding force. I think that makes sense to me. Um, whereas everything else is chaos. When he sees Betty, there's a little bit of clarity there and he can sort of control, not necessarily control, because I don't think he's controlling the Hulk. I think the Hulk is, is doing his own thing, but I think he can like residually feel that feeling that Bruce has for Betty there. Also, I might be a little biased here because I am actually just absolutely in love with Liv Tyler. So maybe <laughs> that has like a little bit to do with it, but I, I like it. And I think Liv Tyler is really important to the story. Why are you in love with Liv Tyler? Ah, because she's just perfect, man. Look at her. She's just beautiful. <laughs> wow. I just If I wasn't already married, I'd marry How her. How shallow. <laughs> I thought maybe you just liked Arwen a lot. You're a big Lord of the Rings fan or something. No. He's no. actually a big Aerosmith okay. fan. And, uh... Oh. <laughs> He's just trying to get next to Steven yeah. Tyler. Can you I really believe like there was the a time when she Apocalypse? didn't know he was her father? <laughs> <laughs> When I can believe that, but then like you look at them and you're like, oh no, no, this actually makes a lot of sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. This this tracks. Now <laughs> I want to get to I want to talk about a little bit of quotes here because we've got some quotes in oh, yeah. here of some really fun scenes. Peaches and I both have one quote on here that I thought was the funniest line of the whole movie where um, oh, absolutely where Bruce Banner is trying to speak Portuguese and he he says, "Don't make me hungry. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry." <laughs> That's such a, just like a classic, um, just mistranslation, you know, like we're kind of used to at the job that we used to have hearing people, uh, not understand us and we aren't able to always understand them. And I'm sure the translation comes out weird in both directions. So it's just kind of funny to see that happen in the movie. And he gets almost all of it right, except he says hungry instead of angry. And personally, when I'm hungry, I'm angry. So it's kind of the same for me, like. If I was saying that quote, I might intentionally say hungry. Don't make me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is a fun line. Uh, <laughs> Chris, you know what's also a fun line? Yeah. I hate the government just as much as anyone, but you're being a little paranoid, don't you think? Yeah. And then Bruce gets shot. And then he screams. <laughs> this is this is, uh, this is is Samuel Stearns here. And he's like, I hate the government. And he's just going on. And then he goes, you're being paranoid. The Bruce Banner gets shot. And he goes, ah! <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's a Homer Simpson scream. It's great. <laughs> It's like the main character in the movie just got shot. I should be concerned, but I'm too busy laughing at that scream. <laughs> um, also, pretty funny scene where Bruce and Betty are in the car and they're in the they're in a taxi, right? They're a taxi, and are they in New York at this point? Where are they? How much have they traveled in this movie? Are you talking about my first quote? Yes. Yeah. So they're they're somewhere. I, I it might be. In yeah, New they're in New York they're because they're looking for Stearns. Yeah, they're they're in a taxi and the driver's crazy because right before this quote, there's like a, a bunch of really good ones in a row in this section of the movie, um, because right before they're like thinking about taking the subway and Bruce says something along the lines of you want to put me in a giant metal tube. <laughs> Bad idea. Yeah, let's take a cab. And then they're like, they're basically like, oh, the cab will be fine. And then the driver's freaking crazy and they get out of the cab and Betty yells at the driver, just like hysterically yelling. And Bruce replies by saying, you know, I have a few techniques that can help you manage that anger effectively. <laughs> and, and she snaps back at him and he's like, okay, I'm done. Like, I won't say that again. Like he, he, he turns into this gigantic green meathead and he's still like 
I don't want to make my not really girlfriend mad. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. why he's always trying to protect her and not get in her way. Uh-huh. He's scared right. of her. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Chris, talking about getting a little bit more on the series. Actually, Peaches, I actually don't remember this quote, so maybe we'll go over this one since we're going to talk about the funny ones first. When does anyone say booyah? You know what's funny about this? I, I almost wish we would have just glossed over this. <laughs> so when I watch the movie, when I watch all these movies, I have my notebook and I and I take notes. Uh-huh. And um, in the Iron Man episode, there we went on for like three minutes about it that I had written down nine different quotes yeah. for Iron Man. <laughs> and I just didn't know which ones to choose. And this movie was exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. I only had two quotes that I wrote down and I had to go back to IMDb and look up quotes to find the ones that I was like, oh yeah, I actually did like that, but not enough to write it down at the time. And I actually did write down Booyah, but I think that this movie is so mediocre and forgettable that I don't remember who said it or why. <laughs> I just remembered writing it down. Good. I think I, I think it's some random soldier that shoots like a, a missile or a rocket or something at the abomination. And, and he says, yes. Booyah after he fires it, but it doesn't do anything. I think that's what happens, but I don't remember. He like catches the rocket and like explodes it on his chest for some reason. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't remember, but yeah. Booyah was in the movie. It felt very cyborg. They felt very teen Titans. Yeah. <laughs> so. Getting into a little bit more of the se- more, more serious quotes. Um, I guess this one's not necessarily a serious. Yeah, quote. this one, my reasoning is not serious. If you're talking about the one, I think we are. The bone ones are going to hurt. Yeah. So, so Blonsky, uh, Tim Roth's character who becomes the abomination, uh, and going to touch on this a little bit. He he gets enhanced through a version of the Super Soldier Serum, the same one that they use to create Captain America. Although it's a later version of it because they lost all the uh, the original samples, so it's some kind of uh, recreation and we do find out later like in Avengers that although Bruce didn't know it his project was all about trying to recreate the super soldier serum as well now, the government has been trying to do that for years and years and years since Captain America as a as a weird little side note Dr. Erskine in Captain America in the comics he was originally named Dr. Ronstein and then they changed his name retcon uh, well when they pull out the serum that they use on Blonsky it says that it's Dr. Ronstein um huh. so just an easter egg it's not saying that it was made by the same guy or anything but it is a little nod to it That's and apparently they actually there's a deleted scene where you see captain america's shield in the in the ice um but that obviously wouldn't fit in with how things eventually went so it's a good thing that got cut but as he's getting this uh in these injections he gets like a bunch of injections uh like in his skin but then he gets some into his bone and and the military doctor guy says, with this weird amount of joy, the bone ones are going to hurt. Like, why are you enjoying this so much? That's that's what stuck out to me about that line. Not not the what was happening, but why is this doctor so excited that he gets to hurt this man? With gusto. What? <laughs> I was like, whatever happened to first do no harm? Right? Yeah. Um, what about some of these quotes that you said a little earlier, which... Oh yeah, the, the the two that were just the two, yeah. So so we uh, we alluded to this earlier how this movie weirdly, you know, and 
it's hard to imagine Marvel doing this now, but it almost seemed like it didn't want to be too comic booky. And this is at a time when superhero names were weird and were like, oh, you can't just have a guy call himself Batman. You can't just have a guy call himself this or that. Uh, that's that's not, uh, you know, you always had to like be embarrassed by the fact that they had superhero names. So, so we have during the news report, um, a character who, fun fact, is named Jack McGee, which is the name of the reporter on the Incredible Hulk TV show who was always trying to find out the truth about Bruce Banner. I know. I know. Um, how much Easter more they can, can they, the yeah, how much more yeah. can they fit in this damn movie? Oh, hey, did you know Martin Starr, who plays the teacher in the Spider-Man movies, uh, is also in the computer lab with Bruce when he's looking with up the pizza. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. We, we can tell ourselves that's the same character. That one makes sense. It could be. Although now we're getting again, really into the weeds here. I'm sorry that I know all these stupid things that I shouldn't know. Uh, according to the novelization of the, of the movie, which is, I'm going to say isn't canon. That's actually Amadeus Cho, uh, who is the totally awesome Hulk in the comics. Um, but who is also Asian, so that better not be Martin Starr. Yeah, they, they would have messed that up. Yeah, and uh, Amadeus Cho's mother is in Age of Ultron anyway, so that's... Is she really? Yeah, she's the lady that invented the cradle. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? Right? Um, but anyway, so getting back to this, Jack McGee on the news on the news report, he refers to the giant green monster. He goes, it was like some kind of Hulk. <laughs> and then later on when uh blonsky is uh intimidating samuel stearns and says that he wants the gamma stuff so getting more powerful and he's like oh you already have something in you don't you and he goes well the mixture could be an abomination <laughs> <laughs> and i thought iron man first of all you know he just had him come out and go i am iron man and that's it. We roll with it. And he's Iron Man forever. Um, but the the one time they did anything like this in Iron Man, the movie, was when uh, was when um, blank, Obadiah Stane says to him, we're Ironmongers, Tony, and Ironmonger being the name of the villain in the comics. And I thought that was handled much better because it didn't feel like a weird line. You didn't have this weird pause before he said it. He didn't go, you and me, we're... Ironmongers. <laughs> you know? It was like some kind of Hulk. You know, it's like it was just it was just we're Ironmongers, Tony. And it's a line that made sense in context, but for people that knew, they get the reference. <laughs> the movie is called The Incredible Hulk. So you can't have them like be wink wink nudge nudge Hulk, especially when later on, I'm just gonna do my third call right now, we get Hulk Smash. So he calls himself the Hulk anyway. He must so have we don't report. Yeah, I guess so. He's out later and he's like Hulk will remember that. <laughs> Hulk like Hulk. <laughs> My name Greg before, but Hulk better. Yeah. Incredible Greg bad. Gamma Greg. Greg. Was Gamma Greg, now Hulk. <laughs> Hulk fewer words. <laughs> Gamma Greg now. <laughs> <laughs> Gamma Greg. 
who's your favorite Avenger? Gamma Greg. <laughs> we got Beta Ray Bill and Gamma Greg. They should team up. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Who else has quotes we haven't talked about yet? Um, Eduardo. Eduardo. I've, got a, I've got a few. They're a little bit of them more on the serious side. One of them is... Uh, oh my God. It's another comic booky line where um, Samuel Stern is talking to... Uh, talking to Bruce and Betty, and he says, and then something went terribly wrong. Or terribly right. And he says it in this weird comic booky way that like I watched it and I was like, I have to write this down because this is, he really sold this one. Um, <laughs> and then the last one I thought was just a really interesting, it just continues to paint the picture of Ross and Bruce's dynamic where he tells them um, it's when he goes through the procedure and it looks like he's gotten rid of the Hulk and he's strapped to the stretcher and he looks at Bruce and he says, if you took it from me, I'll put you in a hole for the rest of your life. Referring to what, some teenager has dubbed the Hulk. Um, <laughs> Gamma Greg. Gamma Greg. You took Gamma Greg from me. <laughs> now, and, and Ross is a really interesting character. Peaches, you thought he carried the movie. Um, oh, yeah. As far as everything is concerned. Now, um, interestingly enough, I think the opposite. Who knew? Peaches and I disagree on something. <laughs> Whoa, in this movie specifically. <laughs> and pretty um, much that exclusively. Yeah. Yeah. Um interesting. One thing. You I I agree with a lot of your points here that he's he's definitely the reason for a lot of things, but I don't think he necessarily carries the movie because in my opinion, which I already talked about earlier, his the style of his character clashes against the rest of the movie. Which is why I think his that whole thing feels weird when you're watching this movie because his performance and sort of his character doesn't really make sense with the rest of the way they tried to paint the movie. No, I, I agree that he that his character doesn't make sense. I actually wrote that down in my notes because he kind of just has it seems like he has some like multiple personality thing going on because, you know, he he should have known that he'd gone too far several times and then he kept going and then it was like seemingly nothing that he flipped the coin to the other side and was like, I'm going to help you now. Like he just didn't really know what side he wanted to be on, but nevertheless, he was basically on everybody's side at one point. He, you know, was the reason that Banner was pursued in the first place. Um, He tried the super serum on uh, Abomination. Um, Like, everything, he, he was a part of every plot point of the movie. Every turn, he was there. And I think that, the movie wants you to think surface level that abomination is the villain, but it really is Ross. Ross is the villain that kind of sort of sees the other side of the equation by the end of the movie, but not fully. He just kind of feels defeated. I think he, he swallows his pride for a second at the end of the movie and he just lets Hulk help. Um, But he still, as you find out in later movies, he's still not the greatest uh human out there <laughs> i mean let's hulk out and letting his daughter's boyfriend jump off of a plane are you know not hey, necessarily they're, they're not dating and b if he dies and he doesn't have to deal with them anymore well, that's the point right like he's like oh yeah. yeah go help jump off of this plane like who cares <laughs> right 
Yeah, everything in the movie is his fault, up to and including the existence of the Hulk itself. Yep. No, I agree, and I think yeah, so. I think that he created his his own problem. Every problem that happens in the in the movie is a creation of Thunderbolt Ross. He messed up by testing two different people with this these different things that have turned them into creatures, Gamma Greg and Adam <laughs> Abomination, and. Um, and he messed up by pushing his daughter away and he messed up by not realizing that he went too far. And, you know, the movie is just him messing up a whole bunch and plot that follows. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that he carries it because without him, Banner would probably just be sitting in Brazil meditating. Having a good old time. Well, I necessarily agree with him being the main plot device. I don't think he necessarily carries the movie. Like his performance doesn't necessarily carry the movie. I think you could probably give it twofold to Edward Norton for giving an interestingly dynamic take to the Hulk. It's different from what you're used to, but I really want to give it to Liv Tyler because I think like I said, I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) Why five. <laughs> our hands matched up on our screen, on my yeah. screen at least. I don't know about no, the rest both of you. Both of your, you were high fiving no, on the same side on mine. Matched up for me too, <laughs> so you're in the wrong on this one, Eduardo. Um, oh no, Peaches is frozen now. He is. That high five was too awesome. Oh, he's back. Is am he? I back? There you go. Yeah, you're back. Okay, yeah, you guys both froze for a second. Yeah, you froze oh. for us. We broke the internet with that high five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Like I was trying to say, I want to give the award of person who carries this movie to Liv Tyler because I think the character of Betty Ross is such an important grounding figure for the Hulk because if it wasn't for her, he would have no reason to be Bruce Banner. He would have no reason to to want to help people. He would he wouldn't have a reason because Bruce Banner has nothing else, right? Betty is his thing and they sort of move that over into the to the MCU but without Betty he he has no motivation he has nothing he's just a guy that can turn green and that's about it I don't know I, th- I think he still wants to he struggles in the movie that he doesn't want that anymore he wants to be separated from it I don't think it's like I'm doing everything for you I think it's partially I want to be freed of this thing that happens to me. Well, sure. But because of how it affects his life without that love in his life, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have that, that comparison point, right? Like he wouldn't have uh, sort of the, the point to be like, well, I have something in here I care about. So I need to make sure the Hulk is kept away. So I don't, because part of the movie is about how he turns into the Hulk and then like accidentally kicks the crap out of Betty at the beginning of the movie. And sure. like, and she's in like a hospital bed and he, that's like a driving figure or a driving reason of one of the reasons why he leaves in the first place is because he doesn't want to hurt her. He doesn't want to hurt the people around him. Quick interjection though, just for my knowledge for the next 20 films that we're going to be talking about. When you have this MVP section and you, and you say, which character do you think most carries the film? From, from my point of view, am I supposed to be saying who is the best actor slash actress or who do I think um, moves the plot along best? Who's I, I would think it more the first one. You're, you're talk, I, I would think we're talking about who has the best performance, whose performance is integral to the story. It's probably a combination of the two, but the, the acting definitely has a lot to do with it and whose performance is, is important 
for the movie to be successful. Okay. I, I didn't give you a straight answer. I'm sorry. You did not. It did not help whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your MVP? I mean, that's a personal thing too. I sure. Think. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And what, what makes a movie work or not work for you is different than for Eduardo or me or whatever. I guess. So. And to be fair, I don't think this movie worked as well. So I guess that makes sense for me. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Chris. Oh yeah. Samuel Stearns, baby. The leader. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I honestly, I, I've been struggling with this for a while, but the more we've talked, the more I'm like, you know what? That's, he's my favorite part of this movie As, because it's so ridiculous. Uh, you know, he, he, it feels like he's from a different movie. He almost feels like he's from a later MCU movie because of like the weird quips and asides and the strange delivery. And it just, I don't know. It was never boring when he was on screen. So I, uh, yeah. I'll give it to him. Yeah. Yeah, you will. R.I.P. Leader. Nope. Nope. <laughs> now, Sorry, I just wanted to echo the thing we did to Eduardo. Yeah. I think we Good call we, back. we've all sort of talked to touch us on this already, but how do you think the movie fits in the MCU? Because it doesn't, right? The movie doesn't really fit in the MCU as we know it today, right? Yeah, broad strokes it does, but I mean, you just can't ignore how different ed norton is compared to mark ruffalo Mm -hmm. i mean at this point ruffalo has been bruce in so many movies and we got one movie where ed norton was it so it's it's kind of like the don Cheadle terrence howard thing where it's like you know i've seen the second one the the second actor so much more than the other person they've gotten to grow and become a part of the family of of the mcu so it's like it just feels very different you know, I almost want to talk, want to. I almost want to think about what it would be like with Norton, and if Norton was in this, he would have to be one of the main three, right? He would have to have taken the place of Thor, Hulk, or Iron Man for it to have worked, right? For him to be that serious character, and one of those guys would have had to have taken a backseat for Edward Norton's specific Hulk to have worked and- in the MCU. I'm not saying and it would have worked. I don't think worked. that would have worked. I don't think it would have worked. And the other thing is, and I don't want to, you know, cast aspersions on his character. He could be a very nice man, but I hear apparently he's not. He's nice not an, I, apparently, he's really not easy to work with. Yeah, he came in and rewrote the movie basically, um, to to be more to his liking. Which I mean, yeah, the movie turned out fine. I thought, but uh, the way the MCU grew. You, you got to be a team player True. and you've got some of the biggest stars in the world in these movies and somehow convinced them all to be team players. And he couldn't have done that. I don't think I wonder and if I feel like the reason that Hulk is not gamma Greg. <laughs> Did he write that cheesiness? Oh. In? Some He's kind like, of can't just have him call him the Hulk. <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> that was his like, like he was sitting up at three in the morning and scribbling on a piece of paper and then throwing it behind him and, this is the line he came up with some kind of yeah. Hulk. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to his credit, he is, he has been very gracious in public about the whole situation. Um, pretty much saying that he doesn't really care about the Marvel movies anymore. And he thinks it's great that other actors have gotten the chance to play the Hulk and all that. So, but, but yeah, I just, just both from the movies themselves and also like beyond the movies, I, I just don't think it could have worked 
Yeah, I don't. Um, it's tough. I mean, it, it sets the story up well where where we pick up um, in Avengers with Hulk. Like it sets that story mm-hmm. up well. You know, that's the reason that we find him in this like remote, secluded location when we find him. Um, it, it, you know, that flowed well into what I consider a, a much more important section of plot of the MCU. Um, but I don't know. It's weird because I talked about Iron Man last time, how it felt like, like a stereotypical action movie, but it worked because it was the first one. And because it makes sense with Iron Man's character and this and that. I also feel that this one felt more like a stereotypical action movie, at least compared to a lot of the other ones but I didn't have the same feelings about it. I didn't think it worked as well as, as the explosions and cars and big and guns and buff dudes and that sort of thing. Like, I don't know. I think the way they ended it and picked it back up, it it fits fine, but I just don't think the movie itself held up well for me. It's like, I really would only watch it again if I'm doing a rewatch of the whole MCU. I wouldn't, it's not one that I'd pop on just to watch, you know? I think a lot of the reasons why, and we can go into the rank right now. Both of you have put it above Iron Man. I put it, um, I'm sorry, below Iron Man. I put it above Iron Man. (laughs) Um, And I think a lot of the reason for that is I am a little fatigued with the Tony Stark Robert Downey Jr. stick. I'm a little, I'm a little done with it, right? Like I'm, I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for something fresh. And it doesn't look like you guys are at that same point yet. looks like you guys are both still really enjoying Robert Downey Jr. and his portrayal of Tony Stark. And a lot of that probably colors the, your opinion of Iron Man, right? Because I think they're a lot, in a lot of ways, very similar movies. They have a lot of the same trappings. They have a lot of the same, um, you know, it's sort of an action movie and has a little bit of comic in there. It's got a lot, they, there's a lot of similarities there, but the main difference between the two is you have Robert Downey Jr. making the the character choice of his career and basically creating this character that's going to be beloved for years to come, whereas Edward Norton and Bruce Banner was not the case, and you don't have that redeeming figure there. I think I remember watching the first Iron Man and being so dazzled by everything Robert Downey Jr. was doing, I could ignore some of the trappings of the movie. And this time when I rewatched it, I couldn't do that. And I found it a little bit refreshing after watching Iron Man to watch this and not have to deal with that and not have to worry about it and just watch the movie for what it is. I don't know. I like... I don't necessarily get the Iron Man fatigue thing. It's not like it's a new movie we haven't seen before. Like, and it's not like Tony Stark is going to be in any movies going forward. So, I, I mean, I would say, like, if you are getting tired of the Iron Man character after the now 23 movies in the MCU and you're like, hey, we don't need him in a 12th movie, then maybe that's fine. But as of where we're at in our rewatch, like 
I don't know. I I don't go back to any of the movies and go, damn it, I have to watch Robert Downey Jr. again because I know he's going to be in the movie. Well, that's not, you know? I don't think that's necessarily what I'm saying. I think what I'm that's saying what is... what it sounds like, though. That's well, what I'm saying. We're doing a rewatch on purpose, right? This is supposed to be right. a retrospective after we have watched all of the MCU. So we're not doing sure. this fresh. I have watched all of the MCU. I've seen Robert Downey Jr. in what feels like half of the movies... I've seen him play the Iron Man character and it's a very specific character. The way he delivers his lines is a very specific way. His quips are done in a very specific way, unlike any other actor on the planet, right? The Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark character is a very specific thing. And towards the end of it, I got a little tired of it. I'm tired of the his delivery. I'm tired of that. And then going back to the beginning, now that I've been like, all right, we're moved on. I'm watching Iron Man 1. I'm going, all right, here we go again. And I sort of find myself a little fatigued by that. Not necessarily just Iron Man in general, because Iron Man's cool, but Robert Downey Jr. and his delivery and the way he's telling his jokes. And I think the reason why you don't you don't get what I'm saying is because you don't you, you haven't gotten there, and you, and maybe you won't get there. Maybe and I am just one of the. I think Robbie said on the last episode he was also there. Um, but I think for me, that's what what held Iron Man back and what sort of pushed Hulk forward. Well, lucky for you, <laughs> you we're about to watch a shit ton more movies with Iron Man. <laughs> Oh, I just meant he won't be in any more new films. Oh, no, but we're literally doing a Marvel rewatch where we watch a bunch with Iron Man. And maybe also, maybe the other movies will be different once he like we get some more characters in there and he's interacting a little bit more. But when it's just a movie held down only by Tony Stark, I find myself a little bored with it. Also, what Eduardo's trying to say, actually, is that he doesn't actually like the MCU at all. He just wanted to do this podcast. To talk about the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, to talk about Hulk and Black, <laughs> Hulk and Black Panther. Tune in for the next episode that Eduardo's happy with a movie when we do Black Panther. <laughs> All right, so let's rate this movie. I'm going to give The Incredible Hulk 7.5 Don't Make Me Angries out of 10. Not Don't Make Me Hungries? Could be Don't Make Me Hungries. Yeah, let's do Don't Make Me Hungries. 7.5 yeah. Don't Make Me Hungries out of 10. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Then- I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 contaminated soda bottles. Uh, I go ahead. Emotion. Yeah. Go, I, I gave it six thunderclaps out of 10. That was the best part of the movie was him. Yeah. So six of those. I'll take six. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, wow, Eduardo is such an idiot. This is the worst movie I have ever seen in my entire life. Lucky for you. You can just let me know that by sending us an email over at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what you're thinking. And stay tuned for next week when we talk about Iron Man 2. What? Don Cheadle, here we come. Oh, yeah. Before we go, you can find us all over the internet talking about all kinds of crazy stuff, doing all kinds of crazy things. Chris. Gator Sacks 2010. Peaches. D underscore Peaches. Eduardo at ABCD Eduardo 1 on Twitter for all of us. That's going to do it for us, for myself, for Peaches, for Chris. We love you, 3000, everybody. See ya.